Welcome to Get the Scope podcast for current and aspiring nursing and midwifery students for Scarlett and Caitlin. Hi guys, welcome back to Get the Scope, where in today's episode, we were joined by our good friend of the show, Katie Norbury. Katie is the founder of Get Papped, an Instagram online community and store which aims to encourage people to hold their loved ones accountable to get pap smears, mammograms, and have open conversations surrounding female reproductive health. She began by creating 25th birthday cards to help you encourage your loved ones to go for that screening test that could potentially save their life, but found herself creating an entire online community supporting her and one another. Today on the show, we dive deeper into the barriers that hold us back from getting these tests done and having these conversations so willingly. Here's Katie. So welcome to Get the Scope, Katie. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So our first question is, where did this idea come from and how did it shape the beginning of your journey to create Get Papped? So um, I started Get Papped a little while after I received an abnormal pap smear. So um, before I was 25, I received um, my abnormal results. So now the rules are that you don't have a pap smear until you're 25. But when I was 18, I had my first pap smear and the results were fine. I had another one again at 21 and the results came back abnormal. So the second I Googled what an abnormal pap smear meant, everything online was just so terrifying. It was telling me I had cancer. It was seriously freaking me out. Um, everything sounded really scary. And once I'd gone through the abnormality and had the biopsies and everything, I realized it wasn't as bad as everything online said. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't want other people to feel ashamed or embarrassed or fearful of an abnormal result so I suppose I kind of took it up on myself to try and create a community where discussing vaginal health wasn't terrifying discussing cervical screenings pap smears was something that was normal and something we're all going to go through so I just wanted to normalize what a cervical screening or pap smear is and make it kind of more welcoming for everyone. Yes, that's really awesome. So Katie, I guess for the people listening at home, can you just talk us through what the pap smear tests for and what the results could potentially indicate? Yes. So um, a pap smear is actually what they used to be called and what we all commonly know them as. And they're now called cervical screenings, which is kind of a bit of a shift in the test. So A cervical screening is looking for HPV, which is transmitted sexually. And I suppose that's where a lot of the stigma comes from because women aren't supposed to have sex, as we all know. Um, (laughs) I think that's where a lot of the shame kind of comes from. But basically, the cells of HPV can lead to cancer. It's very unlikely. 70% of people are going to get HPV. That's the general world statistics so if you don't get HPV like you're the abnormal one so expect to have it if it doesn't come up in your cervical screening you probably had it before so because most of us have a lot more sexual partners before we're 25 people tend to settle down when they're a bit older you're predicted to get HPV under 25 your body's probably going to work it out, get rid of the virus itself. If not, that's when it kind of can turn into cervical cancer. Um, 
But yeah, it's likely to just go away. And mine did. So I kind of experienced all of the stress before I was 25. And realistically, if the um, if the new cervical screening process was in place when I had my first pap smear, I would have never known that I had HPV and that it could have led to an abnormality because it went away on its own. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. I guess that speaks to why the age is 25. And um, what is the recommendation for women who are under 25 but are sexually active? Yeah, so I suppose the key thing would be to familiarise yourself with abnormalities and what that can be. So for me, the reason that I had a pap smear um, less than three years than when I had my first one, because it used to be three years, it's now five, but I noticed um, abnormal bleeding after sex. So I guess from reading things and kind of trying to educate myself a little more on my body, it kind of flagged to me that that's not normal and that was something to chat to my doctor about yeah so I kind of saw that as an abnormality but I think understandably most of us probably wouldn't think twice about something like that because by bleeding after sex it was a tiny amount something that I thought was a little bit odd which I think most people would assume so it's always good to kind of familiarize yourself not to a point where you're living in fear constantly but just to familiarize yourself with what some abnormalities can be and what some symptoms of certain things are and that's just in general that's not just with anything to do with cervical cancer or anything you know we kind of do owe it to ourselves to look up what symptoms are yeah I think that's a really good point I think finding that like that line between I guess living as you said like an anxiety of it but then also just like having conversations with your friends and normalizing that part of it so that it's like oh okay uh, you know either my friend's experiencing this too let's walk through this together and find out you know on our own and educate each other and I guess that's why your community is so fantastic because it allows for these conversations to be really open and with friends. Yeah, exactly. And I I think a lot of us, I mean, I personally experienced so much shame and confusion about my body when I was younger. And Mm. it took finding friends who were really open and telling me things about their body. They're like, oh, is this weird? Do you have this? And I'm like, oh, my God, I thought I was sick. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I think as women, we go through life and suffer in silence almost. And we're so much stronger when we come together and have conversations. Yeah, literally. And it is it gives me so much less anxiety to know that everyone's going through the same thing. Like I'm not that special. So many people are going through it too. <laughs> not the chosen one. <laughs> so I guess in light of the fact that it is Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month this February, and um, I don't know about the people listening at home, but I know for a fact that I do not know much or anything at all about um, ovarian cancer and cervical cancer and the impact that it's having on Australia at the moment. So, Katie, can you just uh, let us in on what the data does tell us about cervical cancer in Australia right now? Uh, So, well, I suppose the big thing is that not enough women or people with a cervix are getting tested. So, particularly with COVID that's just happened. And I know in Australia, we're so lucky, but I've seen some data out of the UK, which has seen significant drops in cervical cancer screening, and it is still happening here. 
Um, Face-to-face consultations were out in most states for a big portion of 2020. So there was a lot of people turning 25 or needing a cervical screening and just not getting it done. And, you know, yes, it was the right thing to stay home and stay safe, but they were still open. We could still get cervical cancer screenings throughout the pandemic, and they are so important. And I think that goes for not just cervical screenings, but literally everything. Like I, all, I'm always thinking about the rates of cancer and how they might really rise in the next coming years when we think about all the people who didn't want to pester a doctor during a pandemic. So I think that's going to really have some interesting data and very sad data in the next couple of years. Yeah, it is. It is really concerning. And I guess what are the complications of cervical cancer and why is it so important that women get tested? Um, Well, the main reason it's so important is cervical cancer is one of the most preventable cancers. Um, Most people listening probably had the cervical cancer vaccine that you remember. I think it was year nine. We all got a cervical cancer needle. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like it was pretty unfair that it was just us getting them. But now I'm very thankful (laughs) that we could have them. And the data shows that if you're having your regular screenings and if you're vaccinated, you will stop yourself getting cervical cancer. So what they're actually looking for is those abnormal cells from HPV turning abnormal. Um, And if they notice that you have abnormalities, you'll then get those cells removed and you're preventing those cells turning into cervical cancer. So that's key, you know, it is preventable. And Mm -hmm. if we all hold ourselves and one another accountable, we can literally eradicate cervical cancer and it's so rare that there could be a cancer that we can no longer have in the world so it'd be really cool if we got rid of it wow yeah that would be so cool and like it's super possible as well yeah literally it's just going to your appointments that you are supposed to get so every five years Yeah, I guess the biggest struggle would be getting this education and access out to rural communities and people from disadvantaged backgrounds. And it really highlights the importance of people like myself who do have access to go and get my cervical screening test done. That's the thing. Well, you know, it's easy to say that it's super easy to get a cervical screening, but the truth is not. it's not simple for everyone. I was speaking to someone um, from a rural community And they were saying they know every single nurse and doctor and they're too scared to get a cervical screening because if the results come back negative or they are really concerned that, you know, who will find out in their community? Wow, I don't think Scarlett and I have thought about it like that before. Yeah, well, I hadn't thought of that. And I guess that really speaks to the barrier that is awkwardness, which stems from shame, which goes back to what your platform aims to reduce. Yeah, I mean, no one no one wants their cervical screening done by someone they might see at the pub the next day. That's the beauty of like living in the city and knowing that you're you're not going to bump into your doctor realistically. That actually flows really well onto my next question, um, which is that we know from what we've discussed so far that it's pretty clear that pap smear testing is important for the health of all women. But Katie, why is it, do you think, that the subject of pap smears and mammograms and female reproductive health in general is so taboo to talk about historically and still is today? Um, I mean, there's so many reasons why. I think definitely the shame of our bodies. I mean, if you think back to high school, we didn't even get taught about 
what our bodies actually were. They're not even allowed to teach in school about pleasure for sex. So that's why we don't even hear mention of the clitoris when we're in high school, which is incredibly frustrating. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, straight away, we're not even told about one of our like very important, potentially favorite body parts because it's a big secret. So if we can't even allow women to be empowered and understand what their body does, Mm-hmm. how can we expect women to feel confident enough to book in for these life-saving screenings like it's a lot to ask yes of course there's like virtually no empowerment no outsource of empowerment coming from anyone or anything from from the day we're born to to want to take control of our health and you know get these tests done and in particular for women yeah yeah, I'm like, I mean, any woman who's confident with their body and, you know, any sex worker, anyone who's doing anything in that industry is shamed. There's just so much shame that women carry. And we've done so much work. Like if we look back 10 years, yes. women are so much more empowered, but there's just miles and miles to go. And, you know, change is coming. Like we're discussing it right now. I don't even know if we would have this conversation 10 years ago. So I'm excited that things are changing and women are just so much more confident now to speak their minds and be really positive about their bodies and all of that. So I think it's exciting. There's going to be big change. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's so exciting that we're having this conversation. And like you said, have the confidence too. I think that shame is such a cycle and breaking this chain and understanding the beauty of our bodies, it's hard and it takes time. Yeah, definitely. We're taught it the second we're born. So (laughs) got to work hard to change it. What other factors do you think play a role in women not getting a pap smear when they are recommended? Like, for example, fear? Yeah, I I definitely think, um, I mean, like a vagina isn't really portrayed properly on television or even in porn and things like that. So I think everyone just like carries a bit of shame around that. But I mean, I've spoke to friends who are doctors and they literally are just like, they see them every day. Yours is not special. It's not abnormal. No one cares. It's a body part to them. They've seen plenty of arms too. Like, I mean, you two definitely know. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just all of this embarrassment. And it, I mean, it is embarrassing to go into the a room with someone you don't know, get half naked and then have them shine a light inside of you. Like that is a big ask. And I mean, I get scared going to the dentist. So you know, it's understandable. Healthcare is quite an intimidating thing. So don't, I mean, I don't want people to think that I'm super confident and like loved having my biopsy. Like I was crying in the weight room. Like it's not fun. That's the reason why it's so important to have these conversations. It's not about being confident and never feeling anxiety. It's about the, I think it's more like being empowered after you've done it and feeling the achievement like I took care of myself yeah and I'm gonna take care of my body for that 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've touched on a really good point when you mentioned the normality of seeing these body parts for health professionals. I mean, anyone who's listening to this who studies midwifery or is a midwife sees a vagina all the time and sees them for the power and beauty that they are as they have the ability to birth a whole entire human being. And that's the most incredible thing to witness. And you see all these different types of vaginas and you realize that there is no normal. And I guess for anyone who's listening to this and who thinks, oh, I might have an abnormal vagina please look up the labia library it is this catalog of photos taken by this woman whose instagram i've forgotten um it's comfortable in my skin yes her work is incredible honestly there is no such thing as normal it is it's really scary just like the amount of people who just feel so humiliated Mm. and they've got nothing to be embarrassed about and they've just carried the weight of that for so long and like having that level of shame could literally kill you. Like if you don't book in for these appointments, you aren't able to get over that shame and stigma around your body that you feel. You're literally putting your life at risk. Yes, that's exactly right. And I guess that kind of just speaks to why your your Instagram and your community that you've created is so important because it's informing, it's educating, it's empowering people to take care of their own health and to take care of their friends and family as well. For sure, yeah. We wanted to share a quote with you from our all-time favourite person, Brene Brown. Staying vulnerable is a risk we have to take if we want to experience connection. We feel this quote speaks to your bravery in sharing your story and the connection it's created through your Get Papped community. Does this quote resonate with you? 100% yes and I I love Brene Brown she's amazing um and I think that's kind of like I um felt incredibly vulnerable when I first kind of told everyone that I was going to run get pat so I posted on my personal Instagram page I'm obviously no influencer but it was still you know like talking to a lot like you've got people following you from high school people you haven't spoke to in years But when I posted saying, you know, that I had abnormal results, I had to have a biopsy and I was creating Get Papped and selling these cards to kind of promote the conversation, I had so many people message me and tell me that they've gone through the same thing and that they were just so heartbroken because they didn't know anyone who'd been through it. And it was just such a relief for them and a relief for me when we could all just be like chatting to one another and talking about these abnormal results and what they experienced, what I experienced. So it was really hard to be vulnerable. I literally sent the story that I was going to post to my mom, to a few of my friends. I was like, is yeah. this okay? Like, is this embarrassing? Should I, I don't feel the shame that I think other people are feeling, but should I be embarrassed? So it was good. There's always like a little bit of doubt, but I think being open and honest is just such a good way to connect with people and I've just had so many amazing conversations since I started Get Pat so I definitely don't regret taking that little leap. Yes we completely agree your Get Pat Instagram does exactly that it allows people to express their vulnerabilities and create those connections with each other and breaks down the shame and the taboo that is revolved around discussing female reproductive health issues. You know, your Instagram, it creates a safe space for awesome conversations for people to have. Katie, why are open conversations such an important part of removing the stigma around female health issues? 
Well, I think if we if we can't talk about it openly and honestly, like we're just we're back where we are kind of now. We're never going to move forward. So I think until there's less of a taboo, we aren't going to promote more people booking in for their appointments as a first step. But yeah, I just I think opening conversation is key to stopping there being so much shame around it. So yeah, and what would your advice be to upcoming health professionals like myself and Caitlin around the language used when discussing personal procedures such as a cervical screening? Um, I, I guess everyone's different. I mean, I love a little bit of humour. Mm-hmm. If I can have, you know, like when I'm booking in for an embarrassing appointment, it's kind of nice when the doctor can not take themselves too seriously um I think it's really key for health professionals to kind of welcome you into that safe space and for me when I can laugh a little bit and make myself comfortable I feel so much better um but key as well I suppose is inclusive language as well like assuming that somebody identifies as a woman or assuming someone's partner is a man really will throw someone completely off if they don't identify that way so I think it's really important to kind of welcome someone into the space in a way that's going to make them comfortable. And I think those are key to kind of making someone feel that way. I love that you said that. That really flows on well from our first episode with James, where we talked about inclusive language and the power and the difference inclusive language has. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. My, um, my partner's a woman and I had a doctor who refused to call her my partner and he just called her my friend for the entire appointment and I just I didn't even get the prescription I was like oh I actually can't finish this appointment I I need to head out it was just too frustrating so you know there's there's professionals out there who aren't very respectful of that and I mean thankfully it was just for a um, I just needed some tablets for a migraine, but mm. I definitely wouldn't get a pap smear from them. Yeah, wow. I mean, that really highlights the role health professionals have in creating a safe space and the difference that it can make not being inclusive. I mean, what a huge impact on someone's health our words can have. Yeah, and a huge impact on the patient journey as well. Oh, huge. I mean, imagine if you booked in for your um, cervical screening and the doctor made you uncomfortable instantly you're not going to relax so it's going to be painful if you do go ahead with getting the screening and even if you do I mean you might not even want to go ahead with it because I something that I find really key um, through GetPaps is that we run a practitioner directory so people in the community have nominated a GP that they had an amazing experience with and we've got a full list on our website because I mean, for me, if I'm going to do something that vulnerable and literally like get half naked, I want to know that you're professional. I want to know that I can trust you. And I would, I prefer to go to a doctor or friends recommended me. So this is like, you don't need a friend. It's all on the website. And it's just, you know, you know, they're trusted. Someone's gone out of their way to tell, get papped about them. And I've put it on the website. 
Oh, I love that. That is so great. And for anyone who is here in Australia and listening who's had a positive experience and wants to share, head to Katie's website, um, get papped, and add the person and the place because references like these will make all the difference. Yeah, I'm really hoping to expand it a little more too and kind of, you know, flag who what GPs are great with someone with a disability, someone who's trans, you know, like things like that. Like we, you deserve to know that the doctor is going to fully support you when you go in for that appointment. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is so, so cool. Um, So we know that you do lots of work surrounding women's health. Can you talk to us about your work with Share the Dignity? Yes. So um, Get Papped is in my spare time and then in my full-time job I work for Share the Dignity so I swear I have a life (laughs) so I'm the marketing and communications manager for Share the Dignity and um, we work to aim period end period poverty so um, we distribute period products to um, those in need so whether that's people experiencing homelessness fleeing domestic violence or just generally doing it tough we don't need to know your backgrounds we just want to be there to help so we will help anybody who is experiencing period poverty and period poverty has so many faces you know single mums give up pads and tampons to provide food for their children because period products are the first thing you'll cross off your shopping list if you don't have enough money but it's a serious issue that we really do dismiss and we don't talk about it which circles us all the way back to the shame and stigma because it is still a women's health issue um and I mean something that always bothers me is just the thought of women leaving tampons in for a long period of time to avoid buying new ones you know that turns into toxic shock syndrome we really are putting people at risk so We're doing lots of exciting work, collecting as many products as we can and even moving more into the education space to teach people more about period poverty and taking care of yourself as well. I mean, we think we're so lucky in Australia, but there's communities without running water. So we need hygiene as well as support with period products as well. So, yeah, it's an amazing charity. Wow, that's literally incredible. You're really impressive. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Katie, since starting your movement or your side project, I should say, um, what has been some of your favourite things to have come out of it? So we know from what you've been telling us so far that you get sent some pretty special anecdotes from your followers and we can see from your Instagram that you have a few famous people following you, which is pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, so what's your favourite thing that's come out of starting Get Papped? Um, I think some of the most exciting has probably just been having people open up to me about um, about what they've gone through and their struggles. Like it's been just really amazing to realise how how common what you're going through is um and I've just had messages from people who maybe I hadn't spoke to in like five years contact me and tell them tell me their experience through their cervical screening or tell me they had the confidence to tell their friends and they couldn't imagine doing that if it wasn't for get pats like that's just so special to know that you've helped someone without even knowing because I mean get pats is 
not going to make me a millionaire. It's literally birthday cards. They don't have huge profit. But so I think some days you're kind of like, oh, I haven't had a sale in a while. Like I'm not doing well. And then you get a message like that. And it's like, oh, all my time and effort is worth it. And obviously, you know, supporting women's health is not a very lucrative market. Well, in the pap smear space, there are, I mean, I'm sure the skinny meaties make a lot of money if you call that women's health. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just nice hearing that you've helped someone. I mean, that's literally the best feeling ever when you know you've helped someone. So where do you see this campaign going in the future? And do you have anything exciting for the listeners to look out for? Um, well, I, last week I launched the new cards. So um, previously Get Papped was just for 25th birthdays. Um, but then, I mean, you have to get them every five years. And annoyingly, people don't book in when they're 25. Some people leave it late. So um, now it's just a birthday card. Um, we've changed. It used to say um, mention gender that like she should book in or something. So now it's completely genderless. So literally anyone can receive this card if they need to book in for their cervical screening. Um, so that's the biggest, most exciting thing. Um, and we've also been sharing stories from the Get Papped community um, to showcase what they went through with a cervical cancer journey or with an abnormality journey, things like that. So we've got a couple up and a few more coming. So we're trying to ensure that they're as diverse as possible, show all different experiences. Um, just because I think we need to normalize it. And the best way to normalize getting a cervical screening or having abnormalities is through storytelling. So that's, I'm really excited for both of those things. Oh, that is super exciting. Guys, make sure you check them out, the new birthday cards on the Get Paps website. Um, Katie, is, is there any other way that the listeners can get involved? We know you've got the Instagram, you've got um, the birthday cards. Is there any other merch that they can look out for? No, I'm dying to make t-shirts though, but I need to come up with something funny. Um, I've been trying to come up with a t-shirt design for a while, so watch this space. Um, (laughs) Yeah, the main thing currently is the cards Um, and then we have the Instagram where um, there's a lot of self-empowerment and encouragement for getting a cervical screening. Um, and our website as well, where you can find the practitioner directory and the stories too. Well, there you go, guys. We will leave all that information in the show notes as well. Um, and make sure you keep an eye on the Get Papped Instagram for more exciting things to come. So we end each episode the same way with a series of rapid fire questions. So our first question is, based on your experience, what are the top three qualities of a good healthcare professional? Um, Personable, a little bit of humour and open-minded. What is your favourite study hack? Oh, my God, not procrastinating. Um, (laughs) Making making up, I always like to make up like funny rhymes or like funny words to weirdly remember things. I don't think my brain works properly. So I have to do stupid things to keep myself on track. What is your favorite pastime that keeps you sane? Um, I think it's become cooking. And if I heard myself say that like three years ago, I'd be like, what? But <laughs> 
the pandemic maybe led me to cooking but um yeah I love cooking and I think it's because I mostly love eating so yes they go hand in hand (laughs) (laughs) what's your favorite thing you've been consuming at the moment whether it be a book a tv show a podcast etc it's a sin yeah I'm sorry to make you cry yep Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I just finished it and I'm just like so emotional. Oh my god, if you're gonna watch it, just get a box of tissues. But it's so beautiful and just like as sad as it is, it's so feel good. Like, oh my god, it's too much. And I instantly watched um Holding the Man after watching that, which is another like AIDS-related movie. I think I really hated myself last week. I was sad. Yeah, I I literally think that show kind of goes back to all the shame and stigma and all of that because it was just like, oh, like gay men get it. Like, oh, well, like they shouldn't be having sex anyway. And it was just like all the stigma and shame that they would have felt back then. It's just so devastating. You've got to watch it, Caitlin. <laughs> Yes, I know I do. I heard it when they re- when they recommended it on Shameless and I was like, yes, because I recently deleted my, my Netflix subscription so now I only have Stan and when they said it's only on Stan, I was like, yes, thank God. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, so anyway, um, our final question is, who is one person that you are most grateful for and why? Oh, that's really cute. Um, I have so many people to be grateful for, but probably my partner because she – makes me breakfast almost every morning and it's just the best person ever cooks with me always cleans the house can't complain so (laughs) shout out to me for not cleaning today thank you katie for being on get the scope today we have loved having you here you're an absolute pleasure and you are so well spoken and i can't wait for listeners to hear this episode Thank you so much and thank you for having such an important conversation and having so much fun with it as well. It Perhaps you just don't have to be boring, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to today's episode of Get the Scope and our interview with Katie from Get Pabbed. We hope that you learned something and will use this conversation to normalise sexual health and hold yourself and your loved ones accountable to get your cervical screenings done. If you want to see where you can find both the Get The Scope Instagram and the Get Papped Instagram and website, check out our show notes and we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.